My name is Shirley Winch, and the name of my ranch is Rancho de Montecristo in Laredo, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the poor wheat crop still looks poor. No change in the latest USDA wheat crop ratings here in Texas. And we won't see a change until we get some more rain. Plus, are you having problems with buzzards? Well, they technically call them vultures. And if you're having problems with those vultures killing young livestock, well, you can do something about that. We'll have that story coming up as well to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Drought conditions throughout cattle country are driving up the head count in Texas High Plains feed yards. In fact, feed yard inventories might be higher if there was room available. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Improving drainage and roads around ranch land during times of drought. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on a couple of improvement options on Texas Ag Today. We hear a lot of information about fertilizer prices going up and availability, etc. Well, let's talk a little bit about the needs of fertilizer in Texas gardens. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The latest Texas wheat crop ratings released by USDA this week are basically unchanged, with 81% of the wheat crop rated poor to very poor. Kevin Meeks is an agronomist with Helena Agri-Enterprises. He's based in Blackwell, Texas, between Abilene and San Angelo. Uh, Right now, it's pretty dismal, to be totally honest. Not much left. Not much hope is left uh, among our our producers. In spots, I would say there's there's some that has just a little potential left. It really depends on when it was planted, uh, any fertility that was put down. But, you know, where I live, our last measurable rainfall was October 11th. You know, we've had a close to a tenth with the ice and the snow, but not enough to really bring that crop back to its its potential. So it's it's pretty dismal throughout the western part of the state. Meeks says wheat in the panhandle is a bit better. Right now, guys are trying to weigh their odds of do I try and get 20, 30 bushels out of this wheat crop because it's worth so much or just let it stand as a cover crop and then, you know, go going behind it with cot or corn or milo, whatever they're going to do. So really, it kind of depends, you know, on, on what the crop looks like. If we can make 20 bushel at, at the commodity price today, you know, I think guys can break even there uh, depending on, you know, how much inputs they got in it. But the irrigated stuff, I would say looks a little better, but it really depends on the planting date and if they fertilized it at, at, at the start. Here's how the Texas wheat crop ratings broke down this week. 6% of the crop rated good, 13% rated fair, and 81% poor to very poor. 
Black vultures, or buzzards as we like to call them, are spreading across Texas. And to help ranchers who are losing livestock to them, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has granted a permit to the Texas Wildlife Damage Management Association for the lethal removal of up to 750 vultures. Black vultures can key in on areas where livestock are having their young. They clean up the afterbirth, but they also can kill young livestock. And that's the problem for livestock producers. Black vultures are killing lambs, kid goats, and calves across Texas. That's Mike Bodenchuk, director of Texas Wildlife Services. He says black vultures have dramatically expanded their range across Texas, so ranchers can now apply for a permit to remove a few of them. Landowners who are experiencing the problem, who are losing livestock to vultures, can participate as sub-permittees in the association's permit, and they can actually remove up to five black vultures per landowner as a way to reinforce the harassment that they're doing. To apply for a permit, contact one of Texas Wildlife Service's regional offices. Drought conditions throughout cattle country are filling up Texas feedlots. James Hunt tells us there's a waiting list to get cattle in yards right now. The Texas Cattle Feeders Association represents feed yards in Oklahoma and New Mexico, as well as Texas, and within that three-state area, the feed yards are pretty full right now. Our total number is 3,263,000 head. That figure Brady Miller of TCFA just gave us is up by 2% from this same time last year and also nearly 7% higher than the five-year average. What's more, with our lack of moisture shrinking the amount of available forage in our region, Miller says the head count could actually be greater if there was room in the yards. I'm being told, James, that there are members out there who have cattle who need to come in the yard who are backed up here for the next three or four weeks, maybe five weeks out, just trying to wait and get cattle in the yard. However, the latest estimates from TCFA also show a 6% year-over-year decline in the number of new cattle entering feed yards last month. And with cattle feeders currently struggling to make profits, Miller says a decline in the headcount could help from a market standpoint, although that's not easy to say. The reason I hesitate to say that is anything positive is because our consumer demand is so good right now and our export demand is so good. And it is pretty scary to say that we have fewer cattle coming to market when the consumers are rewarding us for producing a very good product. With all the big shifts going on, this is a critical time for the entire beef industry. And with that in mind, here's one more reminder that Texas A&M AgriLife's Hemp Hill County Beef Conference is coming up Tuesday and Wednesday of next week in Canadian. To find out more about the program and get tickets, go online and search with the words Hemp Hill County Beef Conference 2022. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. No one likes to deal with drought, but it can be a good time to make some improvements to your property. Tom Nicoletti tells how. My guest again today is Tyler Jacobs of Hall & Hall LLP. We continue our conversation on improvements to ranch land during the current Texas drought. Upgrading poor drainage areas is an option to consider. Absolutely. There's always places that are thorn in our side that, that reduce uh, productivity that, you know, are, are hard to manage because they're drained poorly. So, you know, a drought is actually the perfect opportunity to do that. Obviously, you want to check with your local regulations there, state regulations, federal regulations, to make sure you're not overstepping anything. But, but definitely, that's one of the things to look at. Now, during this La Nina weather pattern of uh, 
low precipitation across uh, most of Texas. People can uh, take uh, the time to uh, make some major road repairs in and around their uh, ranch land property if that's necessary. Absolutely. You know, when it comes to building crossings and drainage structures on your roads, the best time to do it is during when it's really dry. Make sure you get that material well compacted, and, and that helps those culverts and different structures we put into our ranch roads, gets them stable, gets them well set. And also, if the road's dry, you're probably going to do less damage to it, bringing materials in and out of it to repair other sections during a drought. On bigger projects, you might need water trucks or whatever to help with that compaction. But I think if I were to have to choose between a wet season versus a dry season to build a repair road, I would always choose the drier season. That is Tyler Jacobs, broker partner with Hall & Hall LLP in College Station. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Fertilizer prices are affecting all of Texas agriculture, including gardeners. Horticulturalist John Begno has some garden fertilizer advice from San Angelo. Well, we read and hear a lot of information about inputs going up in agriculture, especially fertilizer. And when we look at the landscape situation and the fruit production and gardening, we see that it will affect us as well. If you've bought fertilizer already this spring, you know that a sack of fertilizer that might have been $20 last year and maybe $30 this year for the same product. And we'll have to do things maybe a little bit differently. It's going to be important that we weigh these costs with the needs and maybe even the wants for fertilizer in our gardens, our lawns, our trees, our orchards. We know that fertilizer, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, that they're three of the 16 essential elements necessary for plant growth. And so they're essential in making things beautiful. We get more productivity if we use fertilizer on fruit trees, on vegetable gardens, and in our flowers. We get thicker lawns. We get weed-free lawns. We get trees with adequate growth and orchards that are healthy and productive. They don't always need fertilizer. We get in a habit of using fertilizer in the spring, and that's a good habit when it's available and it's cheap, but we might be able to cut back on our use of fertilizer, and there are great examples. Older, mature trees may not need fertilizer. The fertilizer they get from the yard or the landscape or from the turf grass is essentially or is is enough for them. They don't need any more than that. And lawns, lawns that are well-established may not need fertilizer as often. Where you fertilized every three months or every two months, maybe one time will get you through that needy period. Gardens are a little bit different. We might switch to light applications of frequent fertilizing, or we might use timed-release fertilizers. That release fertilizer every time you water slowly over a period of 60 to 90 days, that makes a lot more sense and better use of your fertilizer. If it gets down right down to it, we might have been over fertilizing in some cases, and this is a wake-up call. This is John Begno reporting for Texas Ag Today from San Angelo. Registering early for a dove hunting challenge could land you a new gun. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And keeping good records is critical to success in the cattle business. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Wildfires swept across central and west Texas in March, burning over 86,000 acres. 
Fires devoured pasture land and farmland, as well as livestock, homes, barns, and equipment. The Texas Farm Bureau West Texas Wildfire Relief Fund is ready to help. Farmers and ranchers with unreimbursed agricultural losses are encouraged to apply for assistance. Monetary contributions to the fund are also being accepted. Go to TexasFarmBureau.org to learn more. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Keeping good records is critical to success in the cattle business. Dr. Bob Judd says identifying cattle is very important when it comes to animal health. The basis for record keeping in cattle is to identify the cattle, and this is typically done with ear tags, ear tattoos, or brands. And although these methods are effective, there is a concern with tags being lost, which is common, difficulty in reading the ear tattoos, and the process involved with branding the cattle. Another reason for being able to identify cattle is for disease traceability purposes, such as occurred several years ago with mad cow disease. Animal health authorities need to be able to trace a cow's history that has a disease to determine any other animals that may have been exposed. In humans, fingerprint technology has become commonplace to identify people, as you can start your car or unlock your phone with a fingerprint, although this has been superseded now by facial recognition. Because of these advances, it seems we may be using this technology on the farm. Taylor Leach indicates in Bovine Veterinarian that fingerprint technology for cell phones was created over a decade ago, and similar to human fingerprints, cattle noses or muzzles are detailed, nearly unique, difficult to alter, and remain the same over the cow's life, making it an ideal form of identification. A University of New England research team is now developing artificial intelligence capable of identifying cattle by their muzzle patterns. They are also building a smartphone app to identify animals on your phone. The vets at Kansas State are also working on developing an artificial intelligence network for cattle based on human recognition software. So in the future, you may be able to take a picture of your cow's nose with your phone and have access to her entire history. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Registering early for a dove hunting challenge could win you a new gun. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. Early bird registration is already underway for the Texas Dove Hunters Association's annual Banded Bird Challenge. The challenge is a research project for the association. Each year, they band invasive Eurasian collar doves that are already in the state and release them. As hunters harvest those Eurasian collar doves and report the bands, the association gathers valuable information about the species and the potential impacts on native wildlife. In return, hunters have the opportunity to win several prizes. Bobby Thornton, co-founder of the association, says last year's challenge was fantastic. The increases came in areas that we were looking for, and that is the number of registrants, the number of prizes, the number of birds actually turned in. Overall, it was a big success for us as it continues to every year. We are now entering into our fifth year, and each year we increase the number of entries as well as the number of bands reported and those that are qualified to win. Last year, we released 817 birds, bringing the total to 3,000 for birds that have been released into the state. And 
of those 817, we had 62 turned in, and of those 62, 16 were qualified entries. And those 16 came away with some fantastic prizes. Over time, information reported by hunters will be further analyzed and used to learn more about Eurasian collar doves. You can enter this year's Banded Bird Challenge on bandedbirdchallenge.com. That is bandedbirdchallenge.com. You can also go to the Texas Dove Hunters Association website. Hunters who enter before July 15th will be entered into a drawing to win a new shotgun. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Wednesday was one of those rare days where we saw both the cattle and the corn markets take a nice jump higher. We'll take a closer look at all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. On the Texas Ag Calendar, livestock producers in the Kerr County area have the Kerr County Ranch Field Day coming up Tuesday, May 24th at the Hill Country Youth Event Center in Kerrville. County Extension Agent Justin Klinzik is with us. And Justin, what will be happening at the Kerr County Ranch Field Day? I'm going to start the day out with proper weaning techniques for cattle, sheep, and goats and how that kind of benefits marketability. I'm going to discuss impacts of proper grazing and overgrazing. Morgan Livestock Equipment is going to bring in a mobile working pen, and we're going to get to do some live cattle handling and demonstrations with that. Dr. Joe Passel is going to talk about the benefits of pregnancy testing and demonstrate the IDEX alert pregnancy blood test. Then we're going to round out the day with Dr. Sonia Swiger from AgriLife Extension, and she's going to talk about parasite control in livestock. The Kerr County Ranch Field Day coming up May 24th. If you need more information, call the Extension Office at 830-257-6568. If you would like to have your agricultural event featured here on the Texas Ag Calendar, just shoot me an email, cmartin, C-M-A-R-T-I-N, at txfb.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw some nice strength in the cattle complex on Wednesday, both live and feeder cattle moving higher. April live cattle up $1.72 at 14307, June up 205 at 13862, while August live cattle were up $1.97 14015. Same story on the feeder market. April feeder cattle up 85 cents, 157.50. May feeders up $1.70 at 162.47, while August feeders were up 202, closing at 173.47. One reason for the strength in the cattle complex may be the strong early week cash trade that we've seen in the fed cattle market. We started out on Tuesday selling cattle that worked its way into Wednesday. We've seen prices as high as 146 up north. That's two to three dollars higher compared to last week. Here in the south, we've seen our sales at 140 to 141. That's one to two dollars higher compared to last week. The online Fed Cattle Exchange sold Wednesday. 571 head of Texas cattle sold. A big range on those cattle. They ranged anywhere from 135 to 140 and a quarter. Boxed beef was lower Wednesday. Choice down 34 cents at 269.59. Select down 240 at 256.81. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. 
when you hear cattle in the alleyway, that means we had a sale down in Three Rivers on the coastal bend. Riley Rhodes, the proprietor. Riley, had the Monday sale go? The uh, market was good. Larry um, uh, ended up with a short sale today with the Easter holiday and what have you. Uh, ended up with 580 head, uh, but the market was uh, fully steady with last week. We had some of those uh, stocker cows here today, those Brummer Cross cows, and then another little set of black cows, uh, cow-calf pairs, anywhere from 875 up to 1475. Uh, some bred cows from 750 up to 1350. High-yielding packer cows, 84 to 92. The breakers, 76 to 86. Canners, 32 to 62. High-yielding bulls, 102 to 110. 10, low to medium yielding bulls, 86 to 102. Your two to three weight choice steers, 174 to 192. Heifer mates, 148 to 166. Three to four weight choice, uh, choice steers, 168 to 190. Heifer mates, 140 to 162. Four to five weight choice steers, 168 to 188. Heifer mates, 138 to 158. Five to six weight choice steers, 158 to 176. Heifer mates, 134 to 144. Six to seven weight choice steers, 140 to 160. Heifer mates, 122 to 136. Uh, the seven to eight weight choice steers, 122 to 140. And the heifer mates 114 to 132. So, uh, you know, market uh, futures kind of off a little bit today and grain price warring up again. Uh, so felt pretty fortunate to get by with the prices we did. Uh, like I said, a little shorter sale, but I was pleased with the market. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Riley. 361-813-6650 is the cell. 361-786-2553 is the office webpage, liveoaklivestock.com. Texas neighbor, thank you so much for listening to us every Monday through Friday on Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm granny marble's grandson larry marble see you tomorrow thanks larry back over to the futures market now where lean hogs took a tumble on wednesday may hogs dropped 222 to close at 112.47 june hogs down 257 at 118.75 class three milk was mixed nearby april milk up two cents at 24.28 may milk down 21 24.17 a hundredweight The cotton market closed higher. Traders continuing to keep an eye on the weather situation here in Texas, as well as the influence of outside markets. We close with May cotton up 71 points at 140.39. October cotton up 140 at 128.10, while December cotton was up 7 points, 121.02. The corn market finishing strongly higher. May corn up 11 and 3 quarters at 815 and 3 quarters. New crop September corn up four and a half, 766 a bushel. The wheat market feeling the pressure of the weather. We have another blizzard moving through the northern plains. Rain and snow across the Dakotas and Minnesota over the coming week. Also, we're getting some rain here in the southern plains over the next few days. So that weighed on the market a bit. July Kansas City wheat down six and three quarters, 11.69 and a half. July Chicago wheat down 11 and a half at 10.97 and a half. In the energy markets, May natural gas down 28 cents at 6.89. May crude oil unchanged. 102.56 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Wednesday afternoon. The Dow was up 249 points, 35,160. The Nasdaq down 166 at 13,453. The S&P down two points, 4,459. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. 
For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you.